Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on today's podcast, two people who've just emerged from UCC's Ignite programme, both of whom are focused on food. And we hear about the Conference on Mixed Martial Arts that's coming to Cork. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, I'm hungry, as you always know, and we always praise people who bring food with them, so I'm delighted to welcome to the studio Jen Hurley from T4 Adventure. <laughs> How are you, me. Jen? I'm very good, thank um, you. Now, you have food, but we're going to come to that in just a minute because it's, it's actually cooking away there, is it? It is, yeah. Okay, and I'm intrigued as to what it is because it's a, it's a brown package that is nondescript, and that's all I'm going <laughs> to leave it with at the moment. Tell me about T4 Adventure. What do you do? Uh, so, T4 Adventure, it's a line of really tasty, nutritious and convenient meals for the outdoor adventure. Okay, so in other words, you're halfway up a mountain. You don't have a huge amount of time uh, to get your poached eggs going. um, (laughs) So you need something to, to bridge the gap. Yeah, yeah, you need to sustain yourself. And this, I want to be clear, it's not a snack bar. These are full meals. So, you know, you might get those bars that, you know, say it's a full meal in it, but this is actually a full meal. You're getting a chicken stew, um, buffalo stew, bean stew and mashed potatoes, all with just hot water. That's a little bit more than a pot noodle. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So is it dehydrated in the packet? Yeah, so it's dehydrated, but we do it by way of freeze drying it. So it's a a bit more uh, focused on quality. So we retain a lot of the nutritional qualities that way, um, about 95% of it is retained through freeze drying as opposed to maybe 70% through dehydration. Now because I don't climb mountains or or, or, or trek through the wilderness I I tend to be close enough to food as a rule but you've obviously spotted a gap from your own experience in life haven't you? Yeah I have yeah. So what what have you done? What have you climbed or crossed (laughs) or or swam through? It's more what I tried to do. So I moved to Ireland about three years ago from New York and I lived in Kerry first so my goal was to walk the Dingle Way Um, And as I was trying to pack my bag, I found that the food that was available to me kind of didn't really taste right, didn't meet my nutritional qualities. You should have known that if you come to Cork (laughs) first, you would have solved all these problems. Oh, Cork's been so good to me, so I am glad I found my way here. So you you didn't have what you wanted, which was nutritious food as you were trekking through the the Kerry countryside. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a qualified chef, so the penny dropped for me there is like, why can't, why don't I just make it myself? And so that's what I started to do. Okay. Um... It's not easy, though. <laughs> you know, you had to learn how to freeze-dry stuff. Yeah, it, the uh, science behind it's very uh, complex. So how? what help did you get then to, to get to the point you're at? Um, I went through a lot of uh, support, and a lot of it came from moving to Cork. So I've been through a lot of the support programs, like from the local enterprise office, um, the Excel program, recently the Ignite program, where I won Business of the Year. Okay, it could be someone coming in from Ignite in just a minute as oh, well. Oh, awesome. Yeah, um, and you, you got involved with FoodWorks then as yeah. well. Yeah, that's my next big step. So, so tell me what Foodworks is. So Foodworks is a brainchild of three agencies. It's of Board Bia, Chagask, and Enterprise Ireland. And so I am a lucky six this year to be chosen um, of companies across the country that show proof to be um, an innovative product that has global export potential. Yes, in other words, it, it, it's the equivalent of a high potential startup then yeah, exactly. in, the, in the food world. Um, it's, it's, it's a complicated field you're in because would this work... On the top of Everest, for example, if, if you brought a few of these with you, could you be enjoying your little lamb stew uh, while you're about to finish the ascent? You absolutely could. 
Yeah, so the boiling water, you know, there's a bit of finesse to it when you're at higher altitudes and everything like that. Um, but yeah, this food is meant to be carried to the tops of uh, to the tops of mountains, to the middle of the oceans, and anywhere in between. And taste-wise, if if you are, you know, does altitude affect the taste, or have you factored that in? Um, it affects the taste personally. So people might be getting altitude sickness, or they just might um, not have a hunger for food. So it becomes difficult when the food that's out there already tastes. Uh, not so great. Um, so when you have something that's palatable and actually reminds you of home, uh, it makes it a lot easier to, to feed yourself. When you started as a chef, when you said you were a chef, did you have a special type of food that you used to prepare or were you a general sous chef or a commie um, chef? Or what I was a general chef and I enjoy working the brunch. So when you were talking about poaching eggs, it makes me laugh because that's my <laughs> second uh, second favourite thing to do. Okay, <laughs> as a man who has very rarely successfully poached an egg, <laughs> I, I am in your own. I can do everything else to eggs except poach. So let's talk about the actual package now. Yep. So you've been letting this brew here for a while. Do you want yep. to throw it over to me sure there? Sure thing. So this is what it was like when it was dry. Okay, so, so that's the dry product yeah. here. Now this is radio so you're going to have to bear with me. Let's try. I'll shake it. <laughs> so that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah, so, so there's a zip that you just have to pull apart. It's like a little Ziploc thing, is yep. it? Okay, very good. So now I have to say it doesn't look that appetising now. <laughs> so we've got a... You can have a smell of it as well. Oh, that does smell nice. To be fair, and that, but it's it's it is clearly dehydrated. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks like a food confetti. Um, yeah, absolutely. You kind of you, you need to do something with that all right in its raw form. Yeah. But this is the finished product now, is yeah, it? Yeah, and we'll give you a spork you, you, for good measure. You have just... given me a very <laughs> impressive spork here. Yeah. That this is this is definitely the best spork I've seen. So, there you go. so this is the actual finished product yeah. now. And you'll I'm, notice. So all we've done is add hot boiling water to it. So the weight has already changed because the water it, has absolutely sucked everything back. Yeah, in. It's, it's significantly heavier. It smells. It smells fab. What is this? So that's our chicken tagine. Okay, now bear in mind the rule of red business is you have to bring food. So <laughs> you, you're already in. Which side of the spork do I use? Personal choice. Personal yeah, choice. Yeah, I'm going to go with the I'd spoon side. Dig, yeah. Okay, so it's obviously piping hot because it's just been rehydrated or boiling yeah. water. So you're going to have to fill the gap here now because I'm eating. So what you're eating, you have um, Irish free-range chicken in a really veggie-packed base sauce of tomatoes, leeks, celery, um, and then it's floating around with peppers and sweet potatoes. And this pasta. is gorgeous. <laughs> and I don't know what I was expecting because it is a kind of a, it's a brown paper bag effectively, yeah, yeah. and you, but it's really good. I'm glad that you enjoy it. I'm really proud of this dish and all the other ones that we've come up with. As I continue to eat, which is kind of gross, um, <laughs> did you enjoy Irish ingredients because where, where are you from originally? New York. New York. Okay. Yeah. So New York is good food, as we know. It's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But when you got here, were you were you taken in by Irish food? Yeah. So I grew up visiting all the time, um, but definitely like there's a great ecosystem, especially around Cork, about specialty food products. Um, people really take care in how they produce their food um, and how they present it to people, and I find that like, that really resonates with me. And as far as taking this worldwide, like I'm really excited to like fly the Irish quality flag everywhere I go I've just burnt my mouth on it (laughs) (laughs) going very well other than that it's really tasty though I have to say that is really really good Good talker, as they would describe it. So how um, how can people get this? Or is this on sale yet? It's not on sale yet. So we're looking to launch, um, especially on our website, January of 2020. And then we're getting into specialty retail shops probably around March in time for the new outdoor season. Um, and the outdoory types, when you when you give them this, I presume you've done a bit of road testing on yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This goes down well, I'm guessing. Yeah, they say they can't believe how much crap they've been eating all along. I can imagine so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've climbed the bloody mountain. Now yeah. only left with is an energy bar, yeah. which, is, which is not good. Um, we, we'll talk about uh, Food Works as well because they yeah, have definitely. an event coming up Tuesday the 15th of October in Chagask in Moor Park. Mm-hmm. 
If you're interested in joining the programme and attending the event, you have to register at foodworksireland.ie. You say you're one of six um, companies yep. that are up for what is it what's the final prize um, so there is no final prize um, but we do have a pitching event at the end so like the experience and expertise that we've received through consultancy and everything has been absolutely invaluable like to our growth and everything um, each company is at a different stage um, but we're working towards writing a final business plan and then we have two pitches now coming up in November um, you, for you, investors. Fake the, fake the pitches, just give them the dinner. <laughs> That's, that is enough to get you over the line at yeah. a bare minimum. Jen, I wish you and everybody involved with T4 Adventure the very best of luck. Thank you for feeding me such good food. Thanks um, so much I'm going to leave it cool down a small bit there now <laughs> for, before I enjoy the rest of it. But for now, thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thanks. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. So that's one type of food, rehydrating. It's still very tasty, although it did burn my mouth with it. But uh, as you heard there, uh, Jane came through the Ignite programme and I'm delighted to say I have somebody else who is just after going through said same programme with me here, Paul O'Shea of Peckish. How are you? I'm good, John. Thanks very much. And we have met many times before. We have indeed, yeah. Um, Because Peckish has been your brainchild for quite some time. It has indeed, yeah. Uh, Tell me, what is the Peckish it's, a, it's an app, isn't it? Uh, essentially, yeah. yeah so, so um, what does it do? So essentially what we found out is that um, consumers with different lifestyles and different dirty requirements, so essentially you're talking about vegans, vegetarians, celiacs and people with food allergies actually have quite a difficulty finding places that they can go to eat out, that can adequately meet their dirty requirements. And I found out as well, if you're on Just Eat, Deliver, Marvin, you literally can't type in burger, you can't type in chips, you can't type in vegan curry. Um, so a package is a platform that connects restaurants to different consumer groups and those with different lifestyles and different dirty requirements. So we do this um, through a food search engine. So that's what package is. Um, you can go onto package, you can type in exactly what you want. You can search for specific menu items, ingredients and allergens and you can find exactly what you want within three clicks and under 10 seconds. Okay, so in other words, for people who, and, and let's face it, this could be very serious. They, they, they may be, have yeah. a medical allergy. Absolutely. Uh, which means that, uh, they, you know, for example, they could be extremely allergic to nut. So therefore yeah. they have to go be very careful about where they eat. So your app helps them make informed decisions. Yeah, so for a nut allergy now, um, somebody could go on and just click under allergies, nuts, and then um, they can search for whatever they want and they can guarantee that there'll be no nuts in that dish then essentially. Okay, um, why did you come up with it? Um, so I suppose I worked in bars, restaurants and hotels throughout my time um, as a college student, like paying for my fees, living at home. Um, it still looked like a college student. I know, right yeah. <laughs> um, so I've, like, to this day now, I still work in a restaurant part-time and it was kind of, I was kept getting the same questions about the allergen information, about what specials you have tonight, about the menu contents. Like most of my time would be spent uh, explaining dishes to customers inside in restaurants. And it just kind of came to me one night. I was like, well, that, um, that a lot of this information isn't getting across to the consumers. Um, as well as that, the businesses are having trouble connecting to these consumers, like telling them about constant menu updates, that they source all their ingredients locally, that their sauces are made in-house. They can cater for celiacs, they can cater for vegetarians, they can cater for vegans. And um, I think it was an amalgamation of that. And I was on Just Eat one night with my buddies trying to get food. And they said, what do you want? But I said, oh, just give me a, a chip cheese curry. I don't mind where it's from. Um, but we actually figured out you can't type in a specific menu item into Just Eat, Deliver or Marvin. And even with their filters. You have to go to the court. You have to go to the actual place, don't you? Yeah. yeah, you could. So if you have a diet requirement, you have to go into Google. You have to check it on TripAdvisor. You have to maybe ring up the restaurant. And that can take anywhere from 
20 clicks to 3 to 5 minutes. Yeah, the hunger gone off you at that point. Yeah, you, exactly. You'd set it for something else. So how do you make money from something like this? Do the restaurants have to pay to appear on the service? Yeah, it's a pay-to-play service essentially. So um, they pay a monthly subscription fee, a very low fee now in comparison to what they're paying for other services. Um, so they pay every month so that they can promote their dishes, they can update their um, existing menu items, they can promote any daily specials they have. Because we actually found out from, um, I think I was after speaking to nearly every restaurant owner here in Cork, and I found out that about three and four businesses do a daily special um, every day. Or essentially they're selling a new item every day and it's written on a chalkboard inside there or they might post it on Facebook or Instagram, but you're up against the algorithms then, you know. So you actually might know that your favourite food is on sale across the road from you. And can you click through on the Peckish app then to order it from the restaurant or do you have to leave it and go somewhere else? Uh, you have to leave it and go there specifically now at the moment, but we, were, we would be looking later on to maybe doing a partnership with existing delivery services um, when we're also, we're after building our own um, order reservation system essentially. So you can make up your specific order um, attach it to your reservation so you know how much your receipt's going to be ahead of time the manager will know how much the booking is worth and the chef will know how much the how much stock is needed for a given night but we'll be rolling that out later on Have you any particular dietary requirements yourself? I mean is there something that you have to avoid on the menu? Um, no I have no particular requirements myself I have no allergies So you've, you've genuinely just looked at other people doing this and going there has to be a better way Yeah because I, I just wanted to build a food surgery for me and my pals essentially and for everyone out there and then I figured out that people who would see the most benefit in this is the people who have the biggest issue finding finding out where their next lunch is coming from or can they specifically eat it or not. So you've just uh, come out of Ignite um, at yeah. UCC. To those who are unfamiliar, what is Ignite? Um, so Ignite um, is a graduate innovation programme. Um, so essentially, so from my perspective, um, I finished computer science and I went straight from going from computer science into Ignite Um so it kind of help you with um, weekly workshops on um, sales, marketing, and the entrepreneurs come in talking to you every week. They have advisors, and they teach you how to turn your business into an actual strategic business plan, essentially. Um, and they'll kind of teach you how, why, and when you need to raise investment for your business as well. Okay, and you know it's it's a, it's a daunting road. Uh, when I was in college, I made the point many times, educate you, throw you out, best of luck. Um, did you find it was a much more nurturing environment when you were trying uh, to, to, to grow this business or at least get this idea out of your head? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I taught it. I think it's kind of a fundamental process of somebody going from straight from college into business. Um, so like I was always working part time in the restaurant anyway. Um, throughout my years in college and I was still doing it out throughout the year so it wasn't much of a change for me um, but it was kind of a change of what I'm doing during the week I'm not I wouldn't be in attending lectures and workshops I'd be out talking to consumers or out talking to customers um, doing market research and um, building the platform um, yeah it was really exciting I must say I loved it So tell me what's next uh, you, you've, you've come out of Ignite you're now getting ready to launch this app when will people be able to download it and where will they be able to find it um, So right now you can go on to Peckish HQ on Instagram and find more information about it or go on to peckish.ie um, but we'll be launching um, hopefully now next month in October with around um, 40 to 50 businesses here in Cork City on board Okay and are you hoping then, how many users are you expecting or wh- wh- where do you think, because I'm looking at this code, this could work anywhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be an Irish company or a Cork company. Absolutely. So um, we'll just be kind of in the Cork and Munster region in the first couple of months, but we aim to scale um, nationwide now next year. And we aim to launch internationally in 2021 as well. Okay. And why do you call it Peckish? Um, I suppose... Um, I, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it kind of, I had a couple of different names for it at the start, and I kind of found that 
so and so is taken or this and that were taken. It's like, well, it says it on your peckish finds your food, you're peckish, you're hungry, find your food. Like, it's very self explanatory to me. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I kind of just looked up. Uh, I looked up hungry in a, in a thesaurus one day and I like to send a peckish and peckish.ie was available at the time so I said let's jump on that and if there's any other restaurateurs or people who work in restaurants listening at the moment feel free to get in contact with me my email is paul at peckish.ie and we'd love to help out your business as well Paul O'Shea peckish.ie wish you the best look thanks so much for joining us thanks very much the only show in town for Cork business, Red Business. Cork has attracted a lot of interesting conferences in the last 12 months, but there's a good one planned for leap year, and that's February 29th, 2020. It is called FightCon. And with me, we've got the two co-founders, Jay Woodward, who's returning to the podcast, and Kean O'Leary, whose first time it is. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. How are you? Thanks a million for having us. Thanks very very well indeed. Um, FightCon. I mean, are we going to see fellas baiting the living daylights <laughs> out of each other, the Jay? Is that the plan? Uh, no, it's not the plan at all. Uh, although we're massive fans of that, it is not the plan at all. <laughs> you're not going to get no. down and dirty in the octagon yourselves. No. Uh, so what it is, is it's a conference for MMA fans. So... Keen came to the idea. Came, Keen came with the idea to me in March of this year, with the idea of Comic Con, but for MMA fans. So fighter meet and greets, panel discussions, kind of expo stands, that kind of stuff of all suppliers in in Europe of MMA gear and fight con, or fight combat gear. Okay, so it, this is a big business, but to, to many it's alien, isn't it? Mm. They don't understand. I don't understand it. Let's yeah. put it that way. So, what exactly would draw people to that? Um, well, see. I, I hate saying it, but Conor McGregor was a big. Like, it, he helps the draw to a lot of casual fans, but to hardcore fans who know this and know the fighters we're bringing, it's growing every year. Every year, it's growing MMA in Ireland and the UK. If well, the UK is massive anyway, but it's Should, definitely growing more. Yeah, like there, w- there would always have been a, a, a an underlying fan base of MMA yeah. in Ireland from the the mid noughties onwards. But when Conor came along he exploded the MMA scene in Ireland um, and they've taken on so many more fans and it's it's made it much easier for us who have yeah. tried to watch it like we'd have to stay up and watch Bravo or Spike TV back in the day <laughs> till 2 o'clock in the morning well, now a lot of had to stay to watch, to watch Bravo <laughs> night night, but it's for a very different reason but go on but he's um, made it mainstream <laughs> he's made it mainstream you know you can watch it It's uh, they're, the fights can be on um more realistic times yeah. for us to yeah. watch and uh, there's just a huge fan base here for it now in saying that, I think a lot of the country has turned on the sport as a whole because, because of, of Connor. You see, I, I've often said this on radio programmes and I normally get a lash over it going, is it really a sport? It absolutely is. It is 100%, 100% a sport. sport. Yeah. See, now look at the glares I'm getting <laughs> in the studio here. It absolutely is. Like you're training, uh, they train six, seven months per fight up to a camp. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's definitely a professional sport. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Would you consider boxing to be a sport? Marginally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're on different sides here, (laughs) Jerry. But look, I mean, there is a huge commercial element to this as well, Mm. Keen. So uh, you, you will see people watch the sport. They don't necessarily participate in the sport, but there is a commercial opportunity there, isn't there? Yeah, well, I mean, if like from us starting this event, talking to gyms around Cork, I mean, and a friend of ours, Liam O'Griffin, who's the head coach in SGB, I mean, again, since Connor came along, and we'll call, we constantly come back to Connor because he is to. Other MMAs are available, but go on. Uh, other MMA gyms are available, yes. Um, but it's because of him, like the the membership rises in gyms and younger people taking up mixed martial arts, has yeah. exploded. Yeah, in the um, sport now, Love Mahadami has done wonders for the sport, like in Ireland, anyway. Yeah, 
in in the world, I would think I think Europe has benefited hugely from him. Um, but what would you say to the argument that now kids going along to see this? They're, oh, they're impressionable young minds. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, is it something that kids should go to? Is is, is it open to all ages? I used ages? to do as a kid. I used to do judo and I used to do taekwondo and I did kickboxing. But there's a huge disconnect in people's minds between judo and taekwondo. That's what it is. That's all this is. It's just mashed together. So like it, these people who are in the cage fighting have studied judo and have studied kickboxing. And that's their that's their game, and they're going to fight someone else who does taekwondo and kickboxing or whatever it is. Like all these sports amalgamate into the one thing. It's but how do you end, how do you end up with a fella in a headlock and you're punching him in the head? That's, that's not a taekwondo. Now. Well, like that's you train to defend that. That's the whole idea of it. <laughs> I really enjoy this, by the way. But you're, 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 you're taking you're, it, the the people, and I'm not saying you are, but the people who look you're at totally the sport negatively. <laughs> I'm not even that. The people who would look at the sport negatively would only look at. That bit, the bit who has he has a guy in a headlock and he's punching him. That would last until the ref breaks it up for three or four seconds. Yeah, um, that's the thing because like yeah, because once the, the, like people only see the highlight reels a lot of these time who don't actually know the sport and don't look at the in the in depth analysis of it and what they're doing. They'll see other oh, guerrillas punch each other on the floor. But it's what like, they're missing is twenty five minutes of of the intricacies of jujitsu. How uh, how technical these guys are and how hard they train at it and the people the naysayers who don't like the sport will only look at uh, Ben Askren being knocked out in five seconds from a flying knee or um, well a flying knee would take me out as well to be <laughs> yeah. fair I mean, the, the, the I highlights that, that, that's it the, I don't want to single out poor Ben here because I mean that was clearly <laughs> unfortunate um, the, the draw is going to be able to, the, the meet and greet so who, mm. who do we know who's going to be there yet so have you got names on the bill Ben Askren he's one of the biggest names in MMA and has, has he recovered from the knee he is flying yeah. he's yeah. happy out he, yeah. he said he was he was fine the next day it's just it happened so fast ok so he's there he's there uh, we've Paul Data from Bellator yeah. uh, which is a he's a What's the word I'm looking for? He's just a, an icon of the sport because to me, he was fighting years ago. Yeah, in the he UFC. He's fought some yeah. of the biggest names in the game. Uh, we have a few more big names coming. We're going to keep them under wraps for now. Okay, just a little tease that yes. they will be there. But then again, those two names alone should be big enough. If you're an MMA fan, you should come to shake these guys' hands. Like, do you know yeah, mean? and has this been done in Ireland before? Have we had a type of event like this? Or are you we guys? We haven't the first? seen it in Europe. Not mind Ireland. Okay, and so, is it done successfully in the US? Uh, where the market's probably a little bit more established. Exactly, and it's a lot of uh, a bigger net. Like it's a bigger net for everyone. So like, and it's it's also backed in in the states by the bigger organisations. So they're taking less risks. We're taking a bit of a risk here. We we feel confident that the audience is here for it. Whereas if someone was to put it on in the states, like the UFC, for example, mm. do these fight weeks and meet and greets, there's no risk involved for them. They know the audience is there. Um, it was one of the conversations we had at the start that is the audience here for it and we're sure that yeah. the audience is here for it. Well, I know you, you've had good pre-sale tickets already mm. before mm. you did any real publicity yeah. on it. So I mean, Super the, the, went out pretty fast. Yeah, so the opportunity is there um, mm. to, to actually grow this maybe uh, and to see where it goes That's a three-year year. plan. Yeah, it's a three-year plan we have is... Dublin. Keep it under wraps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll Dublin next, but yeah, we're, we'll be moving you're on there. Sacrilege, you're moving it from Cork. Sacrilege. <laughs> sacrilege. Well, again, we'll see what the uptake is. Like, it could be a. No, it, it, it sounds like it's going to draw a crowd no matter what, because the people. What I, my experience is you either love the sport or you hate it. There's very little in the middle. So you yeah. get all the guys who said they love the sport mm. to come along. And when I say guys, is, will there be any women at this? Yeah, our MC is a woman, uh, Lydia. Um, Lydia Desdal, she uh, owns Fight Connect TV. Uh, she's a big enough name in the MMA world. Um, she's an ex-fighter herself. Ex-fighter. I think. So still there, there, yeah, so in other words, it's not just a male oh, no, domain. It's on a, no. a meat feast, like. 
No, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> on that beautiful turn of phrase, uh, how can people get tickets for Fight Con? Uh, FightConIreland.com. FightConIreland.com. It's on Clayton Silver Springs, as I said, on Leap Day of Leap Year, February 29th, 2020. You have an option there, lads. You can do it every four years if you want. <laughs> Don't know whether you want to exercise that or not. But for now, Jason Woodward and Kian O'Leary, uh, co founders of Fight Con, that MMA conference you're bringing to the Silver Springs. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you very much. Appreciate Cheers. it. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, you can find every episode of Red Business on redextra.ie, along with the very best in content from Cork's Red FM. Neil Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.